Welcome to the Get Inspired with GERD show, brought to you by GERD's Hundle. Join us each week to be inspired, informed and uplifted with some of the most inspirational and motivational guests from around the world. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay inspired. Hello and welcome to Get Inspired with GERDS, the place to stay happy, to stay healthy and stay inspired. And today I have an amazing guest with me who is the perfect example of self-healing. She's amazing at what she does and she's personally taught me that progress over perfection is key to leading a healthier life. Ali Retti is helping thousands of people through her refit program. She is a certified personal trainer and nutritional coach and helps her clients reduce any kind of negative thoughts, emotions and behaviours through positivity, playful exercises and she personally transformed her own life around after being a perfectionist which caused her crippling stress and anxiety and she now empowers others to live a healthier life through positivity and energy. Ali, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Gerds. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, bless you. Ali, just talking to you last week. I think it was. I was actually trying to remember myself. (laughs) It feels like it was a while, but I'm sure it was like last week. I think it was. Oh, bless. Um, Well, Ali, your personal story is just inspiring. And I remember you were telling me parts of it. So I was thinking, can you let the listeners know what your life was like before you created RetiFit? Yeah, absolutely. So before Ready Fit, I struggled really heavily with um, perfectionism. And, you know, funny enough, Gerds, I, I spent a lot of my early 20s trying to figure out where the perfectionism started. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of psychology and I love reading books and, you know, trying to really figure things out. And, you know, even after seeing therapists, I really couldn't put my finger on it. You know, there's a lot of things with, with the stereotypical, um, perfectionists, you know, grow up in a home where, you know, parents might expect straight A's. Um, you know, if you get a B, maybe you get a punishment or whatever. And that was, that couldn't be farther from my childhood. And so I, I realized that it was really self-inflicted. You know, I was the one that was putting the pressure on myself and something that we spoke about before, the interview was, you know, I was an athlete. I was fairly good at at what I did. And so I think I received a lot of praise for a good portion of time. And so then when I stopped playing sports, that sort of praise that I had become so accustomed to sort of dissipated. And um, I, I think that I had become so reliant on that, which I think can be a detriment a little bit. So you know, before Ready Fit, the the perfectionism really ran my life. I mean, it was in the driver's seat in everything that I did. It made me really afraid to interview for jobs. Um, I always wanted to keep the peace with all of my relationships because I was worried about speaking my mind. You know, wow. what happens if someone is, you know, angry with me? And um, it's refreshing to talk about it out loud. And once I did start to talk about it, I realized that I wasn't alone, but I'm, I'm sure you can relate on some level that oftentimes we have these thoughts and we think like something's wrong with us. Like I bet no one else feels this way, you know, Hmm. um, when there was a lot of people that were feeling the same way. And so I really dove into a lot of books, specifically Brene Brown's books, you know, really targeting perfectionism. And that really started to open my eyes to, 
a life and a world outside of perfectionism. Wow. It's amazing how we were talking just earlier that how grades to define us when really mm-hmm. grades are just a piece of paper and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. at the end of the day if you believe in yourself and you have that like conviction that you can do it no matter what that it doesn't matter about being perfect because nothing is ever perfect. Right. Right, which I didn't learn until a lot later and you know we were we were talking about the owner of of the company Spanx and one of the amazing things I love about her story is when she was growing up her father, every night at the dinner table, used to say, what did you fail at today? Oh. And he would be disappointed if they didn't have anything to say about a failure for the day. And she said that she just became immune that for her, failure was not trying. And I just thought, wow, what a beautiful thing. I mean, that wasn't the case in my upbringing. I love my parents. Of course, they're incredible people. But this is something I really want to implement for, you know, my future kids, because it's something that I've struggled with so much. And I think if that was just a part of what we did, if not trying was really the failure, what a what a beautiful gift we would be giving them. Absolutely. It's just, yeah, it just gets you thinking like how we're raised and the words that we are told from such a young age, how powerful it can be. So if you're told you can't do something, we automatically assume that we can't. And it's only mm-hmm. till we like leave like school or college that we realize our own potential if we believe in ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think about your story, you know, when you had a family member that told you basically like, <laughs> you, you will do nothing. And and that, you know, as a child, those yeah. are really traumatic experiences that we carry with us for a really long time until we sort of come to terms and, and face that trauma later on and really dissect it and figure out what is truth and what is not. Absolutely. And that, to be honest, that affected me for most of my life because it affected literally every area from relationships to I'm sure belief in myself to my to my actual career and it, it took a long time to heal <laughs> I can imagine yeah it's it, it's just it's unbelievable though like how we do really damage ourselves sometimes but without realizing what our surroundings are creating for us yeah yeah and and, and I think especially as you know parents I can only imagine that every day you're just doing your best and you're hoping that you're giving your child the best life possible. And we have no idea, you know, what things are really going to look like and how they're going to end up. And so I think just little things like that with, you know, sitting around the dinner table, talking about, you know, trying, failing, um, putting in effort, those types of things I think can be really, really powerful. And it also starts the conversation because I remember Sarah saying, that her parents also had to be held accountable. So she would be like, well, dad, what did you do today? (laughs) You know, and I think, wow, that's so cool. That's so cool. That is true. So um, my dear, you know, you started reading the books and what happened next for you? Okay, so I, let's see, I got married at the age of 21. Oh, wow. um, Right out of college. So I actually was, you know, it's funny, in school, a lot of my girlfriends were, you know, you know, planning their weddings and, um, you know, reading all these magazines. And I honestly thought that I was going to be going into the Peace Corps. I had studied abroad for many years of my life and absolutely fell in love with traveling and culture and was sure that that was going to be sort of my next step and, you know, wound up getting married right out of college. And that marriage lasted about two and a half years. And it was um, pretty traumatic for me. It was just a very unhealthy relationship, very abusive in a lot of ways. Wow. And 
to be really, really clear, that was when I realized how much I struggle with perfectionism because I was so afraid of ending the marriage because I was afraid of what other people were going to think. You know, I lived in a small town. Everyone knew our story. Everyone knew who we were. And so I thought it just would completely cause my life to crumble. And, you know, I finally was brave enough. Thank goodness for my family. I could have never left that marriage if it wasn't for my family. And when I did, Gerds, I was so surprised that people were so incredibly supportive. I mean, maybe there was 2% of people who were judgmental and weren't supportive. And those people obviously didn't, didn't last very long in my life, but the others were so supportive. And it was really the first time that publicly I was saying my life is not perfect. And, and from then on, I've realized that when we truly connect with people is when those, those tragedies and those really tough times happen where we say like, I'm human, like this, this happened to me. And I've been able to meet so many incredible women because of my story. You know, I'll meet them and I'll just, I'll feel this sense of I'm supposed to share my story. Mm. Um, one particular instance was I was, I had just gotten a new job. I decided to move out of state. I wanted a fresh start. You know, I'd just gotten divorced and I thought, okay, this is going to be really good for me. And my first day on the job, I met this, this, gorgeous gal. She's just such a, such a love bug where she's one of my closest (laughs) friends now. And, um, I, I remember just having this, this overwhelming feeling of I'm supposed to share my story with her and I don't know why. And so on the second day of work, we were sitting in the office and she was talking to me about her, how her boyfriend was, was physically abusive. And, and so then I knew right then and there, I was supposed to share my story with her. And she came back to me a week later and she was, she was crying and she said, you know, thank you for sharing your story because I left and I have not been able to do that for three years. And we still, to this day, we are such close friends. She's met the love of her life. He's an incredible man. Um, So it's so cool to see that something that was such a tragic part of my life has honestly, I call it my beautiful disaster because Mm. my entire life is different because of that. And I'm really thankful. I'm really thankful that I, that I went through that, you know, in the beginning, I could barely get out of bed. I had to take life on one minute, one hour at a time because I, I couldn't see I couldn't see past that. It was too overwhelming. And mm-hmm. I think that's where the philosophy of time really does heal. Mm-hmm. It really did heal for me. I guess your body was trying to tell you something and make you realize that you needed to heal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of ways people handle tragedy differently. And, and for me, I really sort of, numbed myself with work, um, which was positive in a way because I, I worked in a really great environment. I loved what I did. It really helped to heal me, even though people didn't know what I was going through just to be able to interact. You know, I was always getting loved on people were hugging me. I just, it was such a great way for me to heal. Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm just so thankful. It's all I can say because I wouldn't be married to the man I am now had that not happened to me, you know? Oh, and you guys look amazing together. I've seen your pictures. (laughs) Thank you. He's such a good man. He's such a good man. He really is. Yeah. Oh, bless. (laughs) So, Ali, you know, when you just come out of that relationship, I guess it was about you taking your power back and you were helping others to do the same. Absolutely. Because in that relationship, I realized that it had cut me off from the whole world. It was really difficult for my family to watch me be in this relationship with someone who was always putting me down. 
And I, you're right. I needed to find my power and my truth. And, um, you know, I had, I had lost a lot of friendships, not because I, I wanted to, but because friends, you know, they, they couldn't, they just couldn't watch it. It was too painful for them. So that is one of the things I, I love about my story is I, I, I hope to deliver just a glimmer of hope mm-hmm. to other women who, you know, cause I've had a lot of friends who say, I just, I can't leave, you know, it's too yeah. difficult. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I don't know the exact percentage girds, but I know it's really high of women who leave and then wind up going back because they feel manipulated and the person makes them feel like that they won't have a life outside of that relationship. And that was definitely my case. You know, he's, he spent a lot of time telling me like, you know, your life is over. You'll be known without me. Wow. Um, you know, you won't have any money. Cause he was, you know, he was, um, making a lot of money and that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, I remember my dad saying no amount of money, Allie, no, no couch, no television, nothing will, you know, none of that will heal you. You should just let it all go. Just walk away. And it really was the best decision I ever made. Wow. I had shivers as you were saying <laughs> that. It's so true. Yeah. I, personally like yourself I what I have realized with damaging relationships is actually is you're not actually the issue it's the other person that has the issue that may have had childhood issues or was growing up with maybe a dominant character and what they're doing is they're trying to almost mold that person in themselves and project it to the other person yeah and I think there's always you know people always say there's two sides to the story I always own up to my own fault was that I knew that I wasn't supposed to marry him. But again, I was too afraid of what people were going to think. The wedding was already, you know, slated. Everything was happening. And I just was so terrified of what people were going to say. And so it was such a great reminder because when I, you know, when I left that relationship, I didn't really date anyone for about seven years. I mean, I went on one-off dates, but I remember when I met my husband, I mean, I had no problem speaking my mind and I still don't. And I love that he loves that, you know, he loves that I'm able to have a voice. And so I hope that we can be hope for other women that there are a lot of men out there who want equality. They want you to be able to speak your mind just as much as they do. And that's a really healthy relationship. So I don't, I'm not afraid of, of arguments anymore. And we don't really have many because we are able to communicate so openly and honestly Um, rather than everything sort of festering and pushing it under the rug and then just blowing up and coming to the surface. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's so true what you said, because I was kind of in a similar situation, actually. I was single for about nearly five years. And that was the time I learned everything about myself. I healed myself. I understood myself. I reconnected with myself. I knew what I did want, what I didn't want, and what I wasn't going to take from anybody no more. And you're absolutely right. There are people who love you for who you are. And the ones that do try to change you are the ones that need the healing themselves. Absolutely. And I think the reason why my relationship is so great now is because I took so much time, honestly, to be selfish, to really figure out what went wrong, What do I really want? What's important to me? You know, what do I want long term in a relationship and in in my life and in my future? I'm so thankful for that time. I mean, at the time it was difficult because I thought, you know, people constantly ask me, how are like, why are you still single? And (laughs) I just hadn't, you know, but it's also difficult. Like once you're out of school and if you're not working um, in an environment where there's a lot of people, 
then it can be difficult to meet somebody. And luckily there's, you know, there's all these new ways, you know, there's, you know, online, online stuff, which I've had a lot of friends had great success and that's awesome. Um, but I'm so glad I took that time because, you know, when I met my husband, I mean, I knew, I knew on the first day that I was going to marry him. And then within a week, we both knew we were going to get married. It's just, I knew exactly what I wanted and I wasn't willing to settle. Um, and so I wasn't afraid when I met him, I was like, okay, there we go. Seven years of waiting and it was so worth it. Love it. I love it. And you know, you said the thing about being selfish. I think it's about being selfless because we're, as women, we tend to give so much love and affection to other people, but we never create any love for ourselves to say, hey, look, it's about me to shine now. And actually, it's okay to be a selfless and not care. I No, I think you're absolutely right. I definitely think I misspoke. And I love, I love rephrasing that and saying selfless because we have to do that. If we don't take the best care of ourselves, then we can't show up and be our best for others. Yeah, we just become this... There's a a film, actually, I don't know if you remember it. It's years ago called um, Welcome to America. I think I remember. And there's a prince from this hidden, like, world, and, like, he is supposed to marry this woman, and all her life she has been trained for this prince, and he's asking her questions, and and he asks, what do you like? And she goes, whatever you like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and not like, anymore <laughs> you know, like girls, there's so much truth to that because here's how I put it for people you know when and this is not a, I don't want to generalize ever so there are often people that you know meet at 18 19 20 21 and they're still together and that's so beautiful I think it's rare yeah but you know when I got married it was like oh you love you love the color blue me too oh you like cars me too it's just <laughs> the, the things that are important then are so drastically different than the things that are important now in my 30s. And I think we are really starting to settle into who we're going to be and yeah. much more consistent when we're 30 than when we're 20 because we're still wandering. We're still trying to like navigate our way and figure out what we really what we really want and need from the world. Absolutely. That's why I think it's so important that your early 20s is about finding you and knowing what you want because you'll just settle for anything. I'm not saying that everybody does that, but majority of young women at that age tend to just be like, oh, okay, I'll go with the flow. I'll, I'll, I'll agree to what that person's saying. <laughs> yeah, I did. I mean, that's, that's, that's the, it's, it's a blessing and a curse, you know, like mm. people say, well, don't you regret it? But if I regretted it, then I, I wouldn't have gone on to do the, the incredible things I did. I wouldn't have gone on to marry my husband now. So yeah. I look at regret in a really different light. Sure, there's things in my life that I regret, you know, maybe, I don't know, speaking about someone in a way that I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not proud of, but, but life events like that, I mean, I made the best of it. I'll never forget my sister said, you know, you can, you can wear this on your sleeve and you can wallow away and whatever, or you can make this the best thing that's ever happened to you. And I really did. I mean, I took that to heart and I was like, okay, I'm going to make a life for myself because I look at it as I was really given a second chance at life, Gerds, and I think a lot of women, they don't get that because there's so much fear. They don't think that there is life beyond that person, and there is. Absolutely. It's it's the lack of belief in themselves, and I guess it's one of those things that they have to know their inner power, but then how can you know your inner power if you have never felt it? I mean, I think it was an angel that was that was inside of me. I don't know how I got the guts to leave. I mean, I just remember that we had a really scary moment the night before I did what I always did. I said, you know, I'm sorry, you know, cause that was the only way to sort of get things to stop. Oh. I went to bed. I, I worked an hour away. So that was normal. I always packed a bag. You know, I sort of lived out of my car 
Wow. Um, and I left and I never came back. And I don't know what got into me that I finally had the guts to just walk away. I mean, I'm so thankful because I, I still to this day, I don't know. And it, it had to have been a higher power. Someone had to have yeah. been giving me the strength to do that. Love it. You had somebody there to just kind of like give you the boot. <laughs> yeah. And look over me and keep me safe, you know? Yeah. And my family, gosh, they were Aww. just, they were just incredible. You know, they, they were, they never made me feel guilt or nothing. They were, they were so, it, it's amazing. I, I still think to this day, I, I really won the lottery with them. I, I could have never made that decision um, had they not been so graceful with me. Wow. Wow. So Medic, you know, you're now a personal trainer, a nutritional coach. So obviously with your story, how are you now helping people to lead a healthier lifestyle? So one of the things that my story inspired me to do was really overcome perfection. And I'm a big believer that a lot of times we wind up doing the work that we consistently need to hear ourselves. It really keeps things at the forefront. And so for me, it's choosing progress over perfection. And and that can mean a lot of things. I think especially in the fitness and the the health industry, people can get really wrapped up in, you know, needing to to be all or nothing. You know, if I don't eat every meal perfectly and if I don't check mark every um, workout this week, then then I'm not making progress. And I I just think that that's Um, That's so far from the truth, you know, because I think every small decision we make, every time you choose to nourish your body, every time you choose to listen to your body and say, you know, how do I want to move today? Do I want to take a walk? Do I want to lift weights? I think those those are massive amounts of progress. And I think if we can choose that rather than the perfection, that's that's kind of learning to live in the gray area, you know, and if you're a perfectionist, living in the gray area is a scary place. Um, you know, my whole life I've, I've really been black or white. Um, and I am in a lot of ways when it comes to jobs, loyalty, um, you know, I'll never do something I don't believe in, but when it comes to my fitness, I have, I think of it like a pendulum, you know, a pendulum girds, we have these, um, abilities to swing so far to the right and so far to the left. And so progress over perfection is really helping people to find that middle ground. And so there's really, there's, um, there's less of a swing to the right and the left in the pendulum. And that's what helps keep, keep people in a place where they're still progressing. They're still feeling successful. Um, because when you're all the way to the right, the minute something goes wrong, you swing all the way to the left and you feel like a failure. Um, and so that's really the mission is to help people realize that every small decision, it counts. It really, really counts. Hmm. I guess as well, like when the, some of us, like me in particular, when I was younger, if I would do fitness, I wouldn't start with the baby steps. I'd be like, let's go. And then I'd be like huffing and puffing like 20 minutes later. (laughs) No, you're so right. And you know what? I, I admire that. I'm in a lot of ways, I'm similar to that. You, you go all in and you have gumption. I, I can tell you from, you know, being a little bit of a research nerd and just loving the psychology, <laughs> that is such a recipe for failure. And mm. and the reason why I encourage people not to do that is not because I don't think that they're capable. It's because I don't want them to feel like a failure. And after working with clients for the last decade and seeing these patterns, I've realized that 
if we can focus on one thing and they can, they can master it. There's a real sense of mastery when it comes to the way we eat, the way we exercise, that once we've mastered something, we can move on to the next. It becomes a habitual part of what we do. You no longer think about it. That is what's so important when you're living a healthy lifestyle because all the other things, you know, sticking to a 30-day program and never missing a day. I mean, people think, well, I have such great willpower, but that's not really what it's about. It's about, well, can you continue it on the 31st day? Like what happens when the next month starts? You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, it's kind of like when I became a vegetarian, you know, when I was really young, I, I was like, let's be a vegetarian. And I just cut out meat, like with no alternatives, not thinking it through it straight. And I crashed and burned. And f- probably for that year, I was severely anemic. And when mm. I did it this time around, I said, okay, let's do it logical. How about I take meat slowly out of my diet and slowly fish out of my diet? And that worked. It's now been nearly four years since I've been a vegetarian. And it's so true. You're right that just having the balance and you know doing it in the right way will actually not set you up for failure it'll actually help you to succeed and I think the way that you went about it is so smart because I mean look at you like you said it's it's been four years and I I try to remind people I say listen I know I know that this isn't necessarily the sexiest way to go about (laughs) it like we all in a way want the, we all want the, the quick result. I mean, even entrepreneurs, right? We're, mm. we're so ready for things to just happen, but that's just not how life works. And so I ask people, you know, do you want to go hardcore for 30 or 60 days and then wind up feeling burnt out and just over it? Or do you want to take the next six months? We'll take it slow. We'll do it on your terms. Um, and, and what do you know? the weight is falling off. You're able to maintain it. Um, people really, they almost get scared when they find out how easy it is because they're like, well, well, wait, but what did I do? Like, I have to remember, like, what was, what was the secret? And it's like, well, there was no secret. It's just slow and steady is always going. It's always going to win. So true. And it's, you're right. It's the same with business. Absolutely. That, you know, I want to start up as a business. Okay. I'm excited. And you get so hyped up and then you forget actually it doesn't happen overnight. You've got to give it a few years or, you know, a few months and it's it's not going to be easy. However, you've got to take it one baby step at a time. Like even when we were learning when we were children how to walk, we didn't just get up and be like, da-da, look at me. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> when I heard a really great quote, I think it was Gary Vandertuck. I can't quite remember. So oh, I love him. Um, hopefully I won't misquote this, but he goes, you know, you don't quit after four months when you want to do something for the rest of your life. And I, that applies so much to health and fitness and the way that we eat. I mean, this is not hard. It's, has it become, has it become fairly easy for me and a part of what I do? Absolutely. But I've been doing it now for 11 years. I mean, when you and I have been entrepreneurs for 11 years, things are going to feel a lot different than they feel (laughs) now or in year one, you know? So I try to give people that perspective and I just want to be honest, you know, if, If you do want the quick fix, that's totally fine. Um, I, you know, I never want to convince people of something. I just want to be, um, I want to speak the truth in the industry because I cringe personally when I see things like seven day slim down or detox or whatever. I just, I will never be able to put my name behind that Gertz because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, sure. Are there ways to detox your body? Absolutely. And here's what a, a, here's what a detox looks like eat healthy food, drink water, get lots of rest, 
move your body. That's it. That's the only detox you ever need in your life. People ask me, have you ever done a detox? I say, yeah, that's the kind of detox that I do. So it's all just a lot of hype. And, um, and I think that's what makes people feel like a failure. And that's where my heart really breaks for people. Cause I get it. I've been there. I've, I've been on that hamster wheel. Absolutely. Do you know what? I relate with you like 100%. It's so true. I, I, I'm the same. When I see those kind of get fit in 30 days or like get fit in like 10 days I, or like any of the kind of quick fix of losing weight, it does make me cringe because when I was young, I did make a mistake in my early 20s when I was at university. I put on a bit of weight and for the first time, you know, being a skinny girl, having weight, it was like a shock. And because I knew how to do yoga and I, I was a gymnast when I was younger, I was like, right, I need to lose the weight in like 10 days. So what I was doing, Ali, was, and I, I, and I regret it when I look back, um, but you know, it was my lesson. I right. was running like every single morning, every evening, literally eating hardly anything, almost like a rabbit, a bit of lettuce. I was doing yoga. I was doing sit-ups, like a hundred of them a day. And you know, fair enough, I did lose the weight. But then what happened is I got marks in the back of my legs and I've had those scars for years and I will never forget that. You know, it's I was so silly, but, you know, because I wanted to lose the weight quicker, I just I thought that that was the best way. Right. Well, and you're not alone. We've all I think a lot of us have in some way, shape or form followed something similar. And um, and again, like you said, that's our lesson. We, we have to go that route in order to realize that there's got to be a better way. And I would never be doing the work I'm doing right now if I if I didn't, you know, look at my journey and say, okay, what over the past five years has worked? I mean, I was just at an event the other day, Gertz, and um, we were making pancakes for everybody. And oh. I, you know, I asked this woman, I said, you know, would you like a pancake? And she was like, oh no. She goes, I haven't eaten a pancake in 20 years. And I, I felt so sad for her, but also I used to be her, right? Mm. There used to be foods that were off limits for me that I was afraid of. And that's why I do the work that I do because I want women to, to not have food control them anymore. I want them to be able to go to a party, travel and, and be able to try the local cuisine without thinking about whether they should or they shouldn't. I mean, those are real feelings. I was there for a long time. Do you reckon that checking your weight and, you know, oh, this is amount of carbs is almost like a condition itself? The obsession? Of course. Of course it is. I mean, I haven't weighed myself in probably three years and I have no idea how much food I eat on a daily basis. That sounds really scary to a lot of people and I totally get it. I was really scared in the beginning, but I'm so in tune now, Gerds, with am I actually hungry? You know, am I full? I mean, there were so many years of my life when there would be no time that I would not not finish a meal, right? Like it's, I have to eat everything on my plate. And there's times now where I'll get, you know, halfway through my dinner and be like, oh, I'm just, I'm not hungry anymore. And I'll <laughs> pack it up and take it home. I mean, again, these can sound like really, you know, sort of crazy thinking, but these are real things that people go through. And so, um, you know, when you talk about weighing ourselves and, and, you know, knowing how much food we're consuming, this is where I talk to people about how we have to stop putting our, our own happiness in external stuff. You know, when we're, when we're looking for someone to give us a meal plan or, um, you know, a seven day detox or whatever, you're giving away your power, right? Mm -hmm. You're having someone say, you know, this is what you should eat. This is how you should feel. And I think having support, there's a difference. There's definitely a difference. Um, but you, you've got to get to the point where 
you know, you know what those hunger cues are, you know how you actually want to move your body. If, and, and here's the other thing, Gerds, if you, if you're feeling unmotivated and you're bored, it's probably because whatever you're doing is just not the right fit for you. Mm. Like people will tell me, I just don't want to go running. And I'm like, well, why would you? <laughs> well, I'm doing this program. Well, don't do it. Stop doing it. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's how I, no, no, there's, there are so many different ways to get fit and be healthy. You have got to discover what that is for you. And I'm not saying that's going to happen overnight, but mm. if you hate something, stop doing it. If you don't like to eat something, stop eating it. Just don't do it. Agree. Absolutely agree. And there's something you hit the nail on the head earlier. Um, you know, we're trying to be perfect, but the pro- problem is we're not perfect and we need to just keep progressing on ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it happens all the time, but now it doesn't even phase me. I mean, we were we were at my in-laws house this weekend and everyone wanted to order a big pizza and I was like excited about it. I was like, great, I'm going to have some pizza. And there's something to be said for for eating a food in a in a state where you're relaxed, where you're not stressed, where you're not um, beating yourself up about what you're eating. I woke up the next day and I felt great. Does that happen every night? No, um, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the company. I try to make the food more about the the people that I'm with rather than just you know being so focused on the food itself. So yeah, there there is going to be no perfect day. Um, some days I eat more. Some days I eat less. Some days I. I have more sugar and other days I have less. It just is what it is. And when you, when you can release that tight grip, I mean, I think about a steering wheel, you know, you've got those white knuckles on the steering wheel (laughs) When you start to slowly release that grip. There's so much beauty in that. You'll find that your body will level out. It'll find the place it likes to stay. Um, Life becomes more beautiful because you're stopped trying to control everything. So true. That is so true. I think it is the control issue that a lot of people, and like myself, I grew up, you know, wanting to kind of control my, you know, my lifestyle, what I wanted to create, my eating habits. And you're right, if you just let it flow, Mm. everything will just fit in perfectly and everything will make sense. Yeah. Wow. So, my dear, can you tell us about um, Reti Fit? Yeah. So, Reti Fit was started, again, because I wanted to really share this message of progress over perfection. So we, the, the first product that I launched, which I love, it's actually the way that I, um, choose to move my body is, um, we have 90 day programs. And the reason I did 90 days was I asked people to work out three times a week for 30 minutes each. That's it. And then, you know, I asked them, you know, if you'd like to take walks or if you'd like to hike, I really encourage people girds to keep doing the things that they love doing. Um, because I know that in the long run that will keep them consistent and that will keep them happy. So the programs are great. Um, they offer a video demonstration for every single workout. So if you're someone who's not sure how to do an exercise, um, and you're very visual like I am, that's there, but then it also has a printable that you can take to your gym or a lot of the workouts, actually 95% of them, um, are done in your own home. So I loved that. I feel really passionate, Gerds, about reaching people who don't really want to go into a gym mm. and move their body. Um, in in the U.S., there's only 11% of the population has a gym membership. And I just think wow. that's a lot of people that we're not serving. Um, and I know from doing a lot of 
um, sort of surveys and really talking to people over the years that they feel very uncomfortable going into a gym. They feel very judged. So this gives people a way to do things in the comfort of their own home, you know, feel comfortable in their space and um, still be able to move their body. And um, the results really are great. I really enjoy them. So there's that. Um, and then I, I've got a really cool course that I run. You know, we've talked a lot about, you know, just food and having a better relationship. And so it's called the Food Progress Academy. And what I do in those eight weeks um, is I take people through the whole spectrum of, you know, how do they find the best way to eat for them? We talk about how to overcome the restrict, um, the binge, the indulgences. Um, we talk all about, you know, lifestyle, how to make this fun, realistic, lifelong. We talk about how to plan for parties and get togethers. I mean, it's, there's a lot of psychology because at the end of the day, it's all about your mindset. So I'm not going to give you a menu. I'm not going to tell you what to eat because I truly believe Gerds that you're the only one that knows that, you know? So I gain nothing from asking you to eat the way that I do, but I gain everything by helping you figure out what really makes you feel great. Um, by the food that you eat and the way you move your body. So um, the food progress Academy is going to be coming out really soon. I'm really excited for it. The beta test was incredible. And it was just so rewarding for people to be like, I feel so much more ease around food. And I, um, I finally get it now. I don't, I don't need to be part of a a seven day detox or a program or whatever. And, um, so that's, that's really the passion behind the program is just to speak truth. Um, because I kind of, I I really call myself more of an activist, Gertz. I'm, I'm an activist. I feel like I need to, you know, be for the people, um, as someone in the industry who knows what's really going on. I really want to encourage others that um, there are those of us in the industry that um, that know that there's another way so that you can you can keep this going for the rest of your life. Amazing. And where can um, my listeners find you? They can find me on my website, which is readyfit.com. It's spelled R-E-T-I-F-I-T.com. And then it's the same handle on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube as well. I've got some YouTube workouts that are all free, um, which are really fun. So yeah, that's where they can find me. Thank you, my dear. And we are coming towards the end of the show. It's it's gone so quick. <laughs> I know. It really has. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what are your... What are you most grateful for in your life right now? Mm. I love this question. I So many things. I am so grateful. Of course, I adore my husband, have an incredible family, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for the place I live, Gerds. You know, as I record this interview with you, I am oh. peering out my window at these gorgeous, majestic mountains, and I get to live in this, this place that has fresh air, you know, my feet get to touch the trails and I can be in the trees in just a few minutes. Um, I'm really grateful for nature. That really helps to ground me and connect me to what I'm doing. Um, so, so many things to be grateful for. <laughs> I know how you, how you feel with nature. It's just, oh, I live near the water and the water just going there, it just oh. calms me down. <laughs> yes, that would, honestly, that would be our it's an equal choice for us. We're such lovers of water as well. So there is something so therapeutic about it. And you know, what's cool is being around the water, 
it doesn't matter um, how many times you you go to the same place. As the seasons change, it feels different. And I love that. Yeah. You, it's almost like you're being purified, like letting go whatever's happened in the day. You just look yes. at the water and it's like gone. <laughs> so true. It's so therapeutic. I absolutely love it. Is it is it a lake that you're close to? No, it's, it's a river. But just looking at the river, it just it. I just go there and I'm just like, oh. Oh, it's <laughs> And it's like, yeah, nothing is affecting me now. (laughs) My last question, my dear, is what are your five top tips, you know, for someone who's kind of struggling to let go of that perfectionist kind of mindset? Absolutely. I would say one of my first tips would be just be very graceful with yourself. It's, uh, It's a lifelong journey. I don't think that we ever get to the point where Um, you know, it stops being a part of us. I think we can certainly get to a point where it no longer rules our lives and it's a much smaller part, but I think it's always still there. So having that awareness of, um, is really important. So giving yourself grace, um, and having awareness is kind of twofold, you know, when you can notice those times when, you know, let's say you go out with your girlfriends and you're being hard on yourself, you know, just say, okay, I'm aware that this thought came in. I'm going to give myself some grace. And over time, those things start to diminish. You stop to be, you stop being so, um, so hard on yourself. I think being very patient also, it takes time. Um, I think that you will make progress and then sometimes we take a few steps backwards and then we go forward and, and that's just kind of life's, um, ebbs and flows. So that's a totally normal part of overcoming perfectionism. I think keeping a bigger picture and reminding yourself that there's more to life than, doing something perfect, you know, getting the perfect grade, um, eating perfectly, exercising perfectly. Um, and that's where I really drop into your question of what am I grateful for? Because when I think about, well, my family loves me just the way that I am. My husband loves me the way that I am. And that, that sort of helps me to sort of snap out of it. And the last one Gerds, would be your support system. I think it's important to have those people around you. I don't think everyone needs to know, but having those few people that you can go to, who really love you, that don't judge you. You know, I've, I've got my two best friends who I can go to and say, man, perfectionism is just really getting up in my business today. And they're so gentle with me and they can say, I totally hear you, you know, let's talk through it. And so support is really, really crucial. And that's one of the reasons I started ready fit. You know, I get to be, you know, possibly that person for someone that maybe doesn't have a person that gets how paralyzing, um, pro, you know, perfectionism can be in our lives. So I would say um, grace, awareness, patience, seeing the bigger picture, and then having that really strong support system. Amazing. I absolutely love those five top tips. I'm definitely going to pay attention to them because <laughs> amazing. And just thank you for being on the show and just being yourself and sharing everything because you're an absolute role model in what you do. And to be honest, I think you're probably the first person in the fitness industry that I know who's doing everything balanced and I love you for it oh thank you so much that's so sweet I got goosebumps well you know it's been such a joy to connect with you I I was just thinking this morning how I really hope that I've, I've never been to England and I would really love to go but I hope that we can connect in person you've just you've got such a sweet disposition and it's it's just so much fun I think women supporting women and collaborating I think it's I think it's the best gift ever so thank you Bless you. Oh, that's really touched my heart. You know, that's what we need to do. We just need to come together and just help as many people as possible to realize that, you know, 
we can change each other and we can help each other and we can support each other and you know just thank you again just for being you you're welcome take care what an amazing interview with Ali. Guys, do check out her website. She is amazing at what she does. I wouldn't say it otherwise. I just know she's going to help you guys so much. Unfortunately, it's the end of the show. Just before I head off, don't forget you can find me on Facebook at Get Inspired with GERDS. That's G-U-R-D-S. You can find me on Twitter at I am GERDS. That's I-A-M-G-U-R-D-S, where I bring you lots of inspirational and motivational quotes. And also, if anyone's kind of looking for a coach or somebody just to have a little chat or are going through something at the moment, check out my website, which is www.getinspiredwithgerds.com. And this week, I want to leave you with this quote. I always find beauty in things that are odd and imperfect. They are more interesting. That's a quote by Mark Jacobs. Take care, guys, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Join us each week to be inspired, informed, and uplifted with some of the most inspirational and motivational guests from around the world. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay inspired.